Welcome back. L.A. Aiko here with Trade Talk from a Hedge Fund Insider. And I have back with me one of my frequent collaborators, another uh, fellow hedge fund maverick, Charlie Needon with Gembot.ai. Charlie, I brought you back because we're starting to see some turning in um, the real estate markets on in the U.S. Which, uh, as it pertains to, um, what do you call it, commercial real estate in the U.S. You're seeing Blackstone default on particular uh, offerings that they have with properties. You're seeing uh, a considerable amount of commercial real estate having an issue with collecting rents. And as you were saying, and this is from a previous episode when we or we're getting into short positions in Australia and New Zealand banks, we need to now talk about the update. And I want to let you do the honors because it shows we were very clairvoyant. Charlie, how are you? What's going on? Let me know. Yeah, well, great to be back, Al. And uh, I think it's time, like you say, to start discussing uh, where we are now uh, with this Australian bank short or Australia and New Zealand banking short that we've been eyeing up now for over a year and probably been in the position now, uh, I would say approximately nine months, uh, maybe a tad longer. And it has been a relentless trade, you know, with uh, just over a month ago, um, you know, some of the banking banks were actually at all time highs, uh, despite everything that's going on in the world despite the high inflation and uh, bearing in mind that the inflation picture is a little bit delayed in Australia and New Zealand, it's still rising. Um, and potentially Australia are actually behind the curve and haven't raised rates fast enough. And they have a pretty optimistic um, expectation of how much they're going to have to raise in the end. Um, but I believe that they're wrong and they're going to actually have to raise rates more than they expect. And with their, like we discussed in the last episode, with all these variable mortgages and this variable debt, um, that could actually end up a, as an issue. We're also seeing some really disturbing uh, and softening of the economy in New Zealand uh, and Australia. And of course, with some natural disasters also uh, adding to the picture, we are seeing some businesses also really struggle. So it's, uh, it's been an interesting time. The banks have remained relentless, but since they've topped out uh, on February 3rd, they are down approximately 10% across the board, uh, 10 to 12%. So we're now starting to see that print. I mean, you know, the, the, the irony of the whole thing is when we were looking at these trades and we started taking them and they just wouldn't capitulate or change in value, we were like, oh man, all right, maybe we've got this wrong. Um, luckily, we we stuck with it. You know, you always start off with the smaller positions. And we were speaking about uh, Japan ex exposure or other, um, you know, other multinational, no, sorry, not multinational, other sovereign nations exposure to Australia and New Zealand debt. As you were saying, you have some people in their markets for over 30 years of seeing as how they hadn't had any real real estate recession. But I think we are, you know, we have kind of making the perfect storm here where they're going to have to face this um, adjustable rate and all that, you know, stimulus money for so long. Uh, and I don't think 
the consumer can continue to hold on regardless of what part of the world they're in in this particular case. That's right. You can only be in a bull market for so long. And um, Australia has done a phenomenal job. They have been in a bull market for a, an, an ex- extraordinary amount of time. Um, so props to them for having such a vibrant market and um, a lot of trust and confidence in their economy. However, they've had it easy for too long and this inflation problem is an issue. Um, despite the incredible amounts of profits that the banks have been able to generate because of how the uh, stimuluses came in and how everything actually ended up benefiting the banks quite a bit here. So um, it's not a straightforward trade. Uh, there are lots of aspects to these banks and, you know, they are trying to um, cover their tracks for as long as possible before they have to uh, take any real action. So the profits that these banks are generating are very reminiscent of 2007 in the US where you've got record profits, uh, everything looks rosy because everyone goes, well, look, they're just making so much money. But, you know, we know that actually uh that's the kind of that's 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 like the calm before the storm i mean we're talking right now since we started this conversation i believe the banks have gone from being down 0.3 percent to approximately 0.5 percent um just while we're talking so i'm watching the banks right now on my screen um they yeah they they've been a safe place and i i believe that when they have to write down some losses and we have to realize some of the changes in the environment, yeah, they're going to struggle and people are going to flee. And I mean, as you were saying, even before that Citibank uh, was fleeing the market, uh, probably scared of the adjustable rates that are, that are all over the country and with and the beating they took in 08. So, you know, I, that's, I think that's a, a big tell in what's to come, you know? Well, the interesting thing is, yes, so Citibank leave Australia on the consumer side. They had a consumer business in Australia for 36 years. They left that business uh, in 2022. Uh, they palmed off billions of dollars in loans. And I think approximately ooh, 800 to 1,500 employees, they also managed to palm, on, palm off onto the um, National uh, Australia Bank. So very interesting there. I don't know why they took on all that extra risk um, by, by, by taking all of Citibank's junk, uh, but they did. Um, and Citibank are out, they're clean. They managed to ride the, literally the entire bull market. I mean, 36 years, they basically you know, got into Australia at the right time and they rode that all the way to the top. So kudos to City for making that um, play. I mean, if I had my my hunch on it is that uh, maybe some of these uh, larger players in Australia uh, don't want certain sovereigns or, uh, you know, outside uh, sizable investors owning that much of um, of real estate debt, adjustable real estate debt. You know, you, they would have a lot of influence and control over what that market ends up looking like. You know, think about it like um, having a large originator or a person who turned around and, and, and owns a lot of uh, paper in adjustable rates, you'll have a, a big say-so in how that market turns out. Yeah, yeah. So, and also the, the NA, NAB is obviously the 
you know, the National Australian Bank. They obviously didn't want, they wanted to, to swipe up that, uh, that all those uh, loans and uh, all of that presence that Citibank had as an opportunity to grow, false growth, essentially, you know, that props up their earnings. Um, but also, you know, it stops any sort of capitulation or any, any kind of uh, reason for people to get concerned. Because obviously, if people, if they couldn't shift out of all that exposure, Citibank couldn't, it could have obviously uh, cascaded into other banks as well. Yeah, uh, and there could have been a, a bigger question around, you know, how 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 good is everything? And for those, because I know it could become very confusing uh, when having this conversation. For those people who are unaware, um, you have to think about the scene in um, in the Big Short because it's 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 a lot of it's a, it's where a lot of people reference things. And in the Big Short, what did um, what did I believe what who they work for? JP Morgan, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or Chase, pretty much JP Morgan Chase. They wanted to buy back the um, yes, you know, you understand what I'm trying to say? Like, because they're aware that the position is against them, they can then have more uh, of a controlling stake in what's going on in their own outcome because they can control the short side plus the long side that they own. It's not to say that it's one for one with what um, National Bank Australia wants to do, but it is to say the more you're controlling of the pool that you are heavily invested in, the more you can control the outcome. That's right. That is right. So that is a big part of the, the puzzle. You need to control the narrative. You need to control the assets. Uh, and uh, that's kind of, you know, the whole game of banking is kind of trust, right? So uh, there's a lot of trust in the Australian uh, banks because they've been ripping off their clients for years uh, and heavily monetizing them, which is a good thing for a business to do. Um, however, you know, you look at the balance sheets, you've got all this short-term liabilities and then all this long-term debt, all this long-term assets on their balance sheet. So uh, it's, it's basically one for one, of course. And if they have to write any of their assets down, there's going to be a problem because they're going to be needing to get get those liabilities off the balance sheet. Mm -hmm. So this again happened in 2007 in the US. And I assume it could happen very similarly in Australia and New Zealand. Um, some, you know, some anecdotal evidence uh, from on the ground here. Um, one being the the kind of hiring uh is really slowed down uh tech companies have fired you know in some cases 80 percent of their staff uh to reduce costs they've they've uh taken their prices up to obviously again affect their margins so all these businesses are costing out they're reducing their exposure but they're also raising their prices we know this is a bad sign and this hasn't been shown in the data yet but it's definitely happening on the ground um so that is very very uh interesting i was looking at doing some leveraged buyout of a motel in uh, my country in new zealand and the occupancy rates have just plummeted due to the bad weather and the cyclone uh but also uh could be because people are unable to travel because they are feeling the pinch of their mortgage going up from 1.9 percent to over seven Oh yes, oh yeah, and, and we were—I remember we were speaking about that. We were like, "Oh goodness, 
these adjustable rates, even if people are, remember at that time, people had more savings. I was like, even if people are saving more, an adjustable rate that goes up to seven, eight, nine percent, um, you could save more, but inflation's going up as a whole. And let's not even talk about like that general way of inflation. I'm talking about inflation of where, where we're talking about soft commodities, your food has gone up yep. in price. Um, yep. You know, utilities have gone up in price because what, what did we just see with natural gas? No, actually, no, natural yes. gas not in value, excuse me. But um, so don't, I don't know why I had that in my head. Don't don't quote me on natural gas. Mostly just food, um, certain energy like electric, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, natural gas has been a dumpster fire all year. Um, very interesting that that has happened. Actually, I find that quite intriguing. Uh, yeah, but I mean, if you look at the floating rate right now in New Zealand, uh, as of December, it was seven point eight one. Now they are trying to bring that down, of course, but they still have high inflation here in New Zealand of about 7.3. But I believe the problem uh, is not in New Zealand when it comes to interest rates. It is in Australia because New Zealand have been very quick to raise rates quickly. Um, and Australia is basically hesitant to do so because they have a lot more leverage in the system. They do not want to raise rates because they're a bigger bubble than uh, New Zealand in many cases. Uh, their last reading of inflation was 78 um, and their overnight rate is 3.35, and the uh, the RBA, uh, the RBA, which is the you know the central bank in Australia, is saying they're only going to have to raise rates to 4.1. Well, I can, yeah, I mean, I would put my house on the fact that that is not going to happen. It's not going to go only up to 4.1. It's going to go much higher. It has um, to. So, yep. so it's going to be a disaster for these guys, and if their profit falls over. That is the last. Uh, that's the last shoe to drop. Now I don't have any uh, data on Australia, uh, but we now know as of um, January, um, four hundred and thirty Kiwis are behind on, which are New Zealanders are behind on their repayments on their credit card debt. Um, that is up twenty thousand between December and January. That's quite a lot, um, and of course. New Zealand only has 5 million people in it, right? So you've got almost 10% of the country behind on their repayments. And uh, they are, that number is increasing by about 5% a month right now. So 4 to 5% a month right now. So um, there's a problem. And you there's know, problem. How, how, how are they going to stop it? <laughs> exactly what they didn't want to do, right? They don't, they don't want to prematurely cut rates especially when people were saying oh we'll get this soft landing and all this kind of stuff you can't stop it yet not that way it has to be a different way or you have to let it play out you got it yep that's right and then um some data from the auckland auctions uh here in the city that i live in uh we're looking at uh 84 houses went to auction only 29 sold um, so that's a 35% success rate. Everything was selling uh, in tw early 2020, this time last year. Well, a little bit earlier than this, but yeah, like kind of January 2022, everything was selling. You would have almost 100% go through and, you know, in some cases, 20%, 30% above CV. Now you're looking at 12% uh, below CV. So, I mean, it's it's clear that um, the 
the banks don't want to lend, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ultimately will hurt profits because if you can't lend, you can't monetize that. I mean, that says it all, you know, that says it all. So here, how are you playing it? What is your position? I mean, I was still short uh, National Bank Australia, um, still had uh, another short on Bank New Zealand. And uh, there was another regional one. Um, I can't remember it off the top of my head right now. But so I, I'm heavily skewed towards NAB, which is the National uh, Australian Bank, and the Commonwealth Bank. Uh, that is Commonwealth. Because, that was but, the one. That was the one. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that uh, NAB took on that debt from Citibank is uh, nice and helpful. I like that. Um, and then Commonwealth Bank just has too much exposure that people aren't realizing. They're also valued like a growth stock. Um, I believe they have, yeah, a long way to fall. Um, And I'm using options. The options is a bit of a dark market in Australia. Uh, They're very illiquid. The price movements will um, raise the blood pressure, of course. But uh, every time these guys try and squeeze, uh, squeeze people out of these positions, I'm just picking up more of these contracts because they, they, these, these fluctuations are definitely uh, ferocious. And because of, you know, it's not the US, there's not the same liquidity. They, they have the ability to manipulate prices quite heavily out here. A lot of the big movements also happen pre-market. Um, but I'm just, you know, we're just playing it um, in those two banks right now. Well, I love it, man. Uh, you know, I, I thank you for coming back on the show, especially us being able to uh, come together and prove that, you know, we were right. I know some people would could consider it like, well, you know, every, you know, broken clocks right at least once a day. However, uh, when you can distinctly break down how it's going to play out, uh, I don't think you're just guessing and it's not a broken clock being right, you know, twice a day. It has more to do with uh, knowing exactly how, the macroeconomics of an economy have to play out over time, especially as it pertains to uh, such complicated matters uh, with debt. Well, and you've got to bear in mind that no one wants to show their hand here. It is not in anyone's interest for people to default. The banks and all these players in this game are going to do their best to cover things up and keep the game, keep the game going. If you, you know, if you get defaults going out of control and you have to start making adjustments to your balance sheet and so forth and start potentially doing foreclosures, that's not good for business. That's not good for you. That's not good for anyone. So this isn't like a normal game. This is a game where everyone is highly incentivized for the house not to be on fire. Right. So it will take take a lot longer uh, than one expects. Oh, yes. And that's why I say every everybody's pointing the finger about what is financial irregularities and things of that nature. Yet in in any sizable market, you know, like in real estate market, especially commercial home loans, uh, you it's rampant with this because they cannot afford for it to happen. If it comes to a grinding halt. Uh, it will expose the banks because the banks have to be over leveraged in order to get those profit margins that they're looking for, uh, especially when they constantly need more growth. Man, Charlie, you know, I, I thank you so much uh, for 
sharing with us again on, on another episode. Please also let them know about your brokerage because that's a huge development. I want you to share. Totally. Yeah. So we have a, a, a an investment platform called Jumble AI where you can come and you can connect your brokerage accounts or use our brokerage account and you can create collaborative watch lists and actually communicate with others so that you can develop your ideas and do your research together in groups. And of course, if uh, those watch lists also do uh, performance of those uh, lists, so you've got some bragging rights. If you do well with these lists, you can prove, you know, I was short from this date to that date. Or, and you can also do things like spread trades where you can uh, evaluate how good your performance would have been if you went long Apple and short Google last year. So it's some really cool tools we're building. We're trying to increase the systematic and automation in investing to give retail investors better tools uh, for cheaper. So that's what we do. I love it. I love it, man. Thank you again for um, coming by. Ladies and gentlemen, another episode of Trade Talk in the can. Uh, We have two more episodes that are going to come out on the same day. Enjoy them all. I thank you for tuning in. Charlie, take care, man. Farewell. Peace.